you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. I want to commend our worship team for the songs that they chose for worship. It really entered us into a place of seeing his name. Also, I want to acknowledge that um, I usually give the scripture and the message to Linda early in the week so she can pick out songs that are appropriate. Um, I don't know whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, but later in the week, God kind of took me in a different direction, and the worship songs still fit. So I was grateful for that. <laughs> I was so grateful for that. So it, it really is a sign that God is moving. Book of Luke, chapter 2. And we'll begin reading shortly in verse number 25. It's become a phrase that's been so overused in 2020 that I, want, I fear it might lose its relevance, yet it really still is true. This has been a year like no other. And it's brought a particular level of difficulty and stress a lot of emotion in our nation, a lot of anger and division. And in general, it just seems for those close to us, there's also been a lot of personal loss, whether it be the loss of a loved one to the particular disease we're battling at the moment or just something else. Or it could be a loss of income or whatever it might be. And times like this often force us to review and evaluate or determine if our focus and our priorities in life are where they need to be. So many voices and concerns are vying for our attention. Can I feel like things will kind of work themselves out? It can make us feel like the world is kind of spinning in a bad direction. It can make us want to isolate or just tune everything out. So many things telling us that they must be done. You must do this and you must do that. And all of a sudden comes the Christmas season. In a quote-unquote normal Christmas season, there would already be a list of things that are vying for our attention, things that must get done, gift purchases that must be made, cards that must be sent out, meetings that must be set, uh, set up to be able to move in a certain direction. And I believe that with this Christmas season, since it's been such a challenging year, there are many who will look to Christmas to try to sort of salvage some sense of, of joy or promote some sense of normalcy. And there's this determination to be able to still do certain things, and that brings with it this stress. I must get this done. I must do this. I must do that. Because if things don't happen, if things don't occur, then Christmas hasn't happened. And just 2020 by itself just seems to be going off a cliff. And if I don't get this done, and if I don't do this, and Christmas doesn't happen, well, then it's all my fault. Well, let me relieve some stress for you. Christmas, coming or not, will never be your fault. Christmas coming won't be because of you, and Christmas not coming won't be because of you. But the pressure can be overwhelming. And we convince ourselves of those things, and we make an emphasis that must be done. 
at this time of year or in life. I must be concerned about this. I must focus on that. I must address this thing. I've been reading about a very popular show in the United Kingdom, in England. It's called 50 Places You Must Visit Before You Die. Such a cheery thought. It listed places like the Grand Canyon in the US, the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, the Taj Mahal in India, the pyramids in Egypt. And all those sound like wonderful places and things to do, but it would be one thing to just highlight nice places to visit, but this show taps into something that so many people feel. The idea that life hasn't been lived, that life has no value, that somehow we've done it wrong unless you've been able to do a certain list of things. Life has not been lived unless certain places have been seen. Touches a desire in some people that in order to truly say we've lived, I must experience the best of what's out there. And we don't get to the end of our lives, and we, and, and, and we don't want to get to the end of our lives and feel like somehow we didn't do life right. And that just generates even more stress and anxiety about our lives having no value or being meaningless in some way. Unless a certain list of things gets done, a certain list of places gets visited, and a certain list of life experiences happen. And this generates this greatest sense of dissatisfaction because it turns it inward because we say, what's wrong with me? And this can increase as we get older and as we grow as a certain life goals or ideals that we had when we were younger aren't being realized. Because life to be done right must, be, must include this list of experiences. And life to be done right must include visiting these places. And life to be done right must include enjoying certain pleasures. What life must have in it to be worthwhile, to be meaningful, even to be what we would call abundant. It was interesting to me that this show, 50 Places You Must Visit Before You Die, inspired two other shows, 50 Things You Must Experience Before You Die, and of course my favorite, 50 things you must eat before you die. What was surprising to me on that list of things you must eat before you die is a New York City hot dog from one of those vendors. And then you die, yes. <laughs> All of this, these shows that do this analysis, lead people to feel even as they, we post pictures on Facebook and on Instagram and on social media and we post these perfect images, these snapshots in time of our children and our family settings and people can feel that their lives just don't measure up. And right on cue, it has spawned an entire field of psychology labeled FOMO, fear of missing out. Now, what's all this got to do with Christmas? So glad you asked. Last week, we talked about someone who is not a particularly major figure 
in most Christmas stories, and that's Joseph. We include him. We have him standing here right now. We acknowledge his presence, but he's not the main focus of any part of the Christmas story. Yet it was his giving heart we talked about last week. It was his care for Mary and the baby Jesus. His trust in God was a major reason and a major contribution to the Christmas story, the original story, coming about. And looking at all this information about what we must do, especially what we must do at Christmas time, and the larger conversation of what we must do in life brought me to another figure who's not very well known in the Christmas story. And that would be the person of Simeon. Gospel according to Luke chapter 2. And I'll begin reading in verse number 25. And behold, there was a certain man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and, that, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to, for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. From what we know of Simeon, he was, he was well, wasn't ill although he seemed to be advanced in years. He was a good man. He called, the Bible calls him just and devout. He wasn't necessarily unhappy or not feeling about life that it wasn't worthwhile or living or that life had dealt him some type of bad hand. Simeon is ready to see God, but not for any of the reasons that I've mentioned. He's ready because in this situation, he makes the comment that I might now depart in peace because he's had something fulfilled. Everything on his list has happened. And for all we know, there may have been other things, but we know there was one thing on his list that before he dies, he needed to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He asked God to let him behold the Christ child. He wanted to see salvation. Uh, Joseph and Mary had brought the baby Jesus into the temple, as was custom to offer sacrifices and give God thanks for the birth of a healthy baby boy. And while in the temple, the Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon. Now, when he spoke to Joseph, there was this whole dream and an angel and when he spoke to Mary a similar experience but God had just decided to impress upon Simeon that this baby that you're holding is the fulfillment of what you've been seeking all your life aren't you glad the Holy Spirit still moves today and can move in your life and in my life and impress upon you and me the things we need to know Amen. Simeon knew that the world still wasn't right in general 
He knew that there were still injustices everywhere. Rome was still the occupying force for the people of Israel. He knew still that humanity wasn't right with God, and he also knew that but he also knew that God had promised an answer, and that answer was what he was holding in his arms at the moment. So while holding this baby, Simeon was impressed by God that his prayer had been answered. Essentially, everything on his bucket list had been accomplished. The great truth we have as Christians is that seeing Jesus is not a one-time event. Aren't you glad for that? We get to see him each and every day. We get to meet with him each and every day. We get to hear from him each and every day. We get to be touched by him and touched by his word and touched by his spirit each and every day. We get to know him more each and every day. We don't have to wait until it seems like life has come close to being over to do the one thing we must do before we die. There really is so much pressure to do certain things. It's the holidays. You've got to have certain things there. And even in this pandemic and this challenging time when it just seems that everything is different, have you been able to do this? You talk among coworkers. Are you, what are you still doing? Even with the recent holidays for Thanksgiving, are you still getting together with family? Things we must do. And I'm not going to uh, discourage you from doing any of these things. But when it comes to the pressure that we put on one another, each and every day that you wake up in this life, I submit there's really only one thing you must do that day, and that's see Jesus. You may have other responsibilities, and please be responsible. But as far as things I must do today, I must see Jesus. I must encounter Jesus today. I must come closer to him in some way today. I must know him more today than I did yesterday. That's the one thing I must do. And the blessing is that you can. You can know him more. You can walk with him today. You can draw closer to him today. You and I can live with him today. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. If you can make it to Australia and see the Great Barrier Reef, go for it. If you can make it to Egypt and see those wonderful pyramids, have at it. One thing looking at me would make clear right away is that I've already had my share of New York City hot dogs. <laughs> and they're not as immediately causing of death as people would think and see. They were on the list of things someone must do before you die. On the list somewhere was skydiving. Have fun. It is not on my list. The two words themselves, sky diving, nope, not interested. But as far as the things in life that matter, the things in life that truly have an eternal perspective, 
they all involve Jesus. They all involve our Savior. They all involve those things that need to happen. When I was in Indonesia now 20 years ago, and it's amazing to me the stories I still remember, there was a pastor I met there who had greeted me at the airport. Now, I've shared the story that I was supposed to be part of a three-pastor team to go there in the State Department of the U.S. months before the trip was to happen in November of 2000 had issued a prohibition against any American traveling through Indonesia because of political issues between the Indonesian government and the U.S. And they weren't going to be able to promise getting anybody out through the embassies. So I did what anyone I felt should do, and I prayed. And I did what I thought was practical, and my wife and I prayed together. And even while I was still undecided, my wife was like, you're going. Okay, I'm going. Because we knew this is what God wanted. And there were so many people around at the time who asked me, well, doesn't this news change things? And all I kept coming up with, it wasn't news to God. You see, I found out about the prohibition somewhere in June. I had been called to be a part of this missions journey somewhere in February. God knew it was going to happen in February in June. See, we serve a God who knows everything. That's a benefit to you and me. So even when things become news to us, they're not news to God. And then in going in November of 2000 and coming back, uh, planning to come back on Thanksgiving Eve of the year 2000, there was something else going on in my life, which we just as a family celebrated that happened 20 years ago and the birth of my younger son Peter who was born December 1st so we can all say happy birthday Peter and everyone was like well your wife's going to be as the Bible calls it at that moment great with child so aren't you concerned about being literally halfway around the world what was a 27 hour flight and I want to encourage you now, if you ever go on a 27-hour flight, bring plenty to read. Because I didn't. 27 hours. That's not something you can do quickly to get back. And in coming to the conclusion of what I must do, I must see Jesus. I must see his hand move in my life, and so I went. And I met this pastor, and I preached in his church, and we had a great, great service. And at the end of the service, we had a wonderful altar call, and it was a church of about 300 people, and it was just an awesome experience, and they were very kind and very generous and, and, and just very encouraging. And we're at the end of the service talking to a few people, and I'm standing with him and a number of his leaders, and he just says to me, thank you. And I guess I was just taken back by the whole thing. I just said, kind of innocently, for what? And I guess I expected him to say, for the message, for the move of the Spirit, for letting God use you. 
But he didn't say any of those things. He said, thank you for getting on the plane to come here. Because like I said, I had been supposed to be part of a three-pastor team who that when they found out that the prohibition had been issued by the State Department of the United States, they decided to chicken, uh, decided not to go and join me in Indonesia. I guess they heard from God differently than I did. So I'm there by myself in the first couple of days before other members of the team arrived trying to fulfill activities that were meant for three people. And I'm like, what must I do? Church, I just must see Jesus. Even within the body of Christ, even within the ministry of the Lord, we can become overwhelmed by the things that we tell ourselves, I must do. I must see this. I must help that individual. I must be available for this. I must attend that. And all of those things may have value, but when it comes down to it, oftentimes what we're doing is putting so much pressure on ourselves, so much stress being generated, when truly the only thing we must do is see Jesus. Only thing that Simeon needed to do in his life was hold the baby Jesus. For you and I, it's a little different. What we must do is be held by Jesus in his arms and sense the refuge, sense the peace and the joy that comes. As far as the things that I need to do in life, have a bucket list. Enjoy putting things that you can then work toward. But the thing that's at the top of, that needs to be at the top of every human list, I can check off. I've seen Jesus. And from my daily list, I need to see him again today. I need to experience him again today. Now, my life has moved on since that trip to Indonesia. Thankfully, there are so many other experiences because the reality is, if the best I can say about my walk with the Lord in 2020 is something that happened 20 years ago, something's wrong. Because my Bible says he is new and fresh every morning. So as we celebrate Jesus this Christmas, during this whole season, let's remember who he is and who he is to us, who he is to you and me. He is the fulfillment of every need. He is the fulfillment of every desire. He is the fulfillment of every hope. He is truly the satisfying item on every list. You know, it's interesting, that story we read in Luke 2, as Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple, they encountered two prophets. One of them was Simeon, and the other, in, a, in, in the verses that follow what we read today, was Anna. And all it says, she said one thing, that she began to praise God for the redemption of the world had come. Aren't you glad you're redeemed today? Aren't you when you think about, we are redeemed today. 
Jesus truly is the only thing I must do before I die. Before I leave this world, I want to see him more and more. You know, I, I talk to so many people in the body of Christ, and I'm grateful that one of the things that have come out of this pandemic is that it seems there's a hunger and desire within Christians to know him more. And that's a good thing. That's a positive outcome from a negative situation. And they'll tell me, Pastor, I just want to know him more. And they'll seek about, talk about putting all the negative behind them, putting all the suffering behind them, putting all of the bad things that are happening in life that they could know him more. And I'll say, wait. Because Paul was clear when he said that I might know him. Yes, in the power of his resurrection, but also in the fellowship of his sufferings. And how many of you can it be, your, is it your testimony, that in your darkest, deepest, most painful hour, that's when you really came to know who Jesus is? You really be, knew and understood what comfort he provides. You understood how, although it might be something that we go through, we might walk through that valley of the shadow of death, but we're walking through. We're not stopping in. And I was listening to a, a sermon this morning before church. And the preacher talked about the, the scene in the Bible where the disciples are in the boat and there's a storm. And the storm comes and Jesus is in the back of the boat and he's doing the ultimate sensitive thing. He's sleeping as they're in total panic. And we look at those stories and we can as Christians get the idea that if I come to the Lord that I'm not going to experience the sufferings of life unless I'm in a place that's not being obedient. But we need to remind ourselves of those stories that those disciples were in the storm. Jesus had sent them there so they were there at God's will. So they were there to learn, to grow. Now, I'm not going to say every storm you and I encounter is from the Lord. Some of it is because of the dumb mistakes we make. But in every season, in every encounter, in every experience, in every good day, and in every bad day, I must see Jesus. I must see Jesus. I need to know him more. Lord, what can I learn from this situation? Well, I did make it back from Indonesia on Thanksgiving Eve. And for all the people who were saying, but your son's going to be born before you get back, and that's awful, I got back on Thanksgiving Eve, and Peter was born December 1st. So God worked it out. How many can testify to that today? God worked it out. Jesus worked it out. And that's one example in my life of so many other examples where Jesus worked it out. Now, if he had been born before I got there, I would still be telling you, Jesus worked it out. 
Jesus works things out. Joseph and Mary brought the baby Jesus into the temple to sacrifice as was the custom of the Jewish people and to give God thanks. And the Holy Spirit led a just and devout man to hold the baby Jesus and say, now I may depart in peace. As I was preparing this message, I just had to one, just think about what that peace must have felt like. That total peace. There's nothing clawing at me, nothing tugging at me, nothing pulling at me. Because I have seen the Lord's salvation, which will be a revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. So I want to encourage you to enjoy this Christmas season. Because if 2020 is a year like no other, then Christmas in 2020 will be a Christmas like no other. And prepare as you can. Enjoy as you can. Be with people as you're able. But let's lose the stress. Let's lose the anxiety. But, Pastor, I must do, I must do, no. Have you seen Jesus today? Have you been able to sit in the arms of your precious Savior? Because that is what we must do. Day in and day out. Stand with me, please.